I'm Sarah, and I'm a Zoomer. I'm Mike, and I'm a Boomer. And this is the Zoomer to Boomer podcast. If you have delicate ears, you might want to tune to something else, because we'll be talking about serious topics, and sometimes naughty things will come out of our mouth. So, here we go. (laughs) I think the reason that we wanted to do this first episode was just to explain to everybody why exactly we're doing this podcast. Uh, This... This is basically what you're going to be hearing is my conversations with my daughter, which we have not frequently, but when we do, it's a marathon. So we thought, why not just record it so everybody else can listen to our bullshit, okay? Yeah. (laughs) So go ahead. I was just going to say that I feel like this uh, a whole election cycle has really brought out the, tr- <laughs> the true potential of the length of the conversations that we have. Oh, yes. Uh, considering, considering for most of my life, we have not lined up politically at all to the point where when I was like 12 years old, you used to lecture me about the things Obama was doing in office. And I was like, Dad... <laughs> I'm 12, so I can't vote for anyone. <laughs> so I guess the way it whole started was, I mean, we've been talking about this, um, but I'm kind of addicted to the news, and I guess that's where Sarah got it from, because I have a picture when she's like three years old holding up a USA Today, even though she couldn't read it, because she saw me always holding up a USA Today. And, you know, I never forget that the first time what really sparked it with me was like in 1974, I was watching television with Grandpa, which is my dad. We'll refer to um, Paul Schroeder from now on as Grandpa. That's his name, okay? But anyway, I was watching the evening news or whatever it was, or special news, whatever, and Richard Nixon resigned. And I remember watching that like it was yesterday. I remember it so clear. And I was only 10 years old, but I thought, what is this going on here? This is like crazy talk. And... So then I started reading the news, and I was only 10 years old. And I I think I know a lot more than the average citizen as far as news goes, except for the woman sitting on the other side of the Zoom call, which is named Sarah. <laughs> I like to stay uh, up to date. I grew up in a household with parents who had very differing political opinions. So there was a lot of talk about the different goings-on in the government in our household because – Nobody could agree on anything, and everybody was always arguing. And so I thought, you know, I should probably, uh, I should probably look into this stuff myself, so that I can kind of get an idea of what's actually going on and how I should form my own opinions on what was going on. Yeah, and I guess the, the first time that she really actually like became self-aware that I would notice was when she was. Five years old, literally five years old. She beat me by half a decade, okay? It's when 9-11 happened, and she just was like, we never hid it from her. It was just like this this whole thing where it was just like, we never hid it from her, but we didn't force it down her throat. And she, she started watching this, like, incessantly. And it became such a thing with her that, like, I remember when uh, W stood on that aircraft carrier and said, declared victory, and then I was watching the news later on and stuff, and she came to me and she's like, Dad, I thought he said it was over. And I was like, Sarah, it's complicated, you know? And it's just that I think she just took off from there. But um, so I don't know. Um, and I'm also 
proud of her that she got a history degree because I am a, a sucker for history. I love history. I've always loved history. And one of the things she knows about me and I, I passed on to her is that I was born on the day JFK was buried. And I think that kind of made an obsession with me um, that, you know, has, and now she lives in Dallas where he was assassinated. So it's like a double thing. <laughs> it's all come full circle. It has. Really. <laughs> uh, let's see. And I, I'm also not afraid of reading the hard stuff, which Sarah isn't either. And we talk about some deep topics and stuff. Not just United States affairs. Not just the stuff in the headlines and stuff like that. But, I mean, we'll hit upon everything. I mean, it, you might find us talking about, like, Coca-Cola and Syria in the same conversation. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, so it, it's just crazy. So, basically, all we're doing with this podcast is letting you in on our... And well, we are going to have more structure. We're going to have different topics every week. You know, our first thing, real thing, is going to probably be about the news and how the, it's changed from different generations. And I think that's our biggest um, point of this com- of this podcast is just to let people know different generations take on different topics. And I think the news is going to be our first one. Um, this is where you say something. <laughs> I was letting you take the lead. Uh, yeah, I, I when my when you first brought this to me, my first thought was that um, one of you have lived through some of the most historically relevant moments in American history, uh, and definitely the most well documented moments in American history. And I mean, I myself, being twenty four years old, have lived through. Let's see. Um, Y2K, 9-11, the housing market crash of 2007, uh, now the pandemic, uh, all of these protests, the uh, Trump presidency. (laughs) So needless to say, (laughs) my life cycle so far has been pretty historically relevant. uh, And I am super, super fascinated by the history of our country, but also the world over the past 60 to 80 years. And so I, when you first brought this to me, my first thought was like, we need to talk about all of these moments in history that either you got to personally live through or that like deeply affected your life. Because as a, as someone who studied history, I of course have a very specific perspective on the way those events went down because I read about them in a book, but you got to live through them and you got to watch them unfold as they happened. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to be able to bridge the gap between our generations to kind of (coughs) combine the different perspectives that we have on these moments in history. Right. Actually, my next thing on my list was to talk about was that it basically just says history never stops, you know. And I think one of the calling. Certainly not. One of the um, rallying cries this year is like, I love history. I just don't like living through it. And, (laughs) you know, and it's like somebody told me one time it's like, you know, history is a tragedy turned into a uh, epic. You know, which is kind of true, you know, because we always everyone's fascinated with like World War Two 
in like the 60s and all this stuff and everything. But I don't think it was like actually that fun living through them. You know what I mean? And I think that this year has taught everybody that in a big way. You know, because I don't know if you were old enough to remember or not, but 10 years ago when the recession hit, you know, it was pretty hard on us as a family. You know, me me specifically, but it kind of, I'm sorry, but it affected us all, you know, and it just, um, you know, that was, that was pretty epic right there, you know. For sure. I mean, I definitely have the benefit of a um, an enriched perspective on a lot of the things that have happened over the past 20 years uh, coming from a working class family I got to see the nitty-gritty of the way that these historic events have affected the majority of society I feel like you know sometimes people who are more well off don't have as deep of a perspective on it because they it doesn't affect them as much. And so as a historian myself, it, it actually, I'm grateful that I got to live through the harder moments of the past, you know, 10 to 20 years, because it gives me these perspectives and it allows me to look deeper into them, knowing the way that it affected me at the time. Yeah. And it's just, I think that's what people, I hope, will get from this, is this that, you know, it just, you know, the perspective and stuff. And I think that's why this year has affected young people more than old people, because they don't have that gift of perspective. You know, they don't know that this too shall pass. And we'll talk about it, you know. I mean, I remember during the recession, it was just like, I had a hard time accepting that too, you know. And a hard time, like, realizing that it will go away and things will be better in the future, you know, but at the time you're just like, God, you know, but yeah. And I think one of the most important lessons you can learn from these moments in history is, is not simply, I'm going to expand on your point. It's not simply that things will get better. It's that you have to make an active effort to make them better. Um, because the Trump presidency was never going to go away if we didn't all get out and vote (laughs) for a better candidate. You know, the pandemic is never going to stop unless we all can come together and work together to make it end. Correct. Which has been a little difficult considering how many people simply do not believe it exists. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that is something that I have definitely had to learn over the past few years. Um, And I think a lot of young people have started to open their eyes to the idea that, you know, things aren't just going to change. Uh, And I actually really, really hate the idea of history being cyclical and repeating itself because it only repeats itself because we allow it to. Um, The same people coming into power over and over again, rather than us pointing out the ways that they are similar to people who have previously been in power and saying, you know what, maybe... Maybe we don't elect this guy who is incredibly similar to a previously horrible leader. Oh, I. So I, I think we're making some steps in the right direction. I like your optimism. Uh, not really myself <laughs> optimistic about those people like waking up and going like, "Wait a minute, we were stupid," you know. <laughs> but I, I like it's your a, optimism. That's nice. It's there's this this old metaphor that I, I've heard time and time again, and it's like 
uh, if you if you your house burned down in a freak accident, would you rebuild it in exactly the same way if you knew that there was an issue with the wiring and <laughs> and and none of the locks would open when you were trying to escape your house? Or would you like rewire yeah. the house and replace the locks? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times I think that people are like, well, I'll turn the lock correctly this time. The last guy, he just didn't turn the lock correctly. Right. I'm going to be the one who turns it correctly. Exactly. But it, it's just a faulty lock. It's not going to work no matter who you are. And I think, um, too, I think that Sarah and I can agree on one thing when it comes to <laughs> news, politics, history, whatever you want to call it, stuff like that, is that we're both kind of addicts when it comes to this stuff. And I think we're both amazed that people aren't like us more, you know, like, <laughs> like they're not more informed than they are. You know, it's like befuddles me. And it's just, I, I, I look around and I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And I agree with you on a level, but I do also think that um, a big reason that I am so interested in it is because you were interested in it. Um, a lot of people don't have that. So when they're growing up, they don't have someone older than them who is like telling them how fascinating it is. So a lot of people, I have so many friends who were like, I'll tell them something interesting that has happened in history. And they're like, oh my God, I like never knew that. And I'm like, yeah, it's because your history class was nothing but being inundated with names and dates that you only had to memorize up until you took a test <laughs> on those names and dates. And, like, the amount of useless bullshit that you have to memorize when you're in school about, like, random acts throughout yes. the American history, you know, like the Lock and Key Act of 1813. <laughs> yes. And uh, rather than learning about the really important and in-depth details about how this country came to be and how that affects your life every single day, um, which, of course, is what you actually learn about when you take history courses on a collegiate level. Um, so, or when you actually read the news or pick up an interesting book rather than a textbook that is really terrible and has really tiny text and has a lot of footnotes that don't mean anything. Correct. You know, so hopefully this will pique people's interest and stuff. You know, I was telling a homeowner client of mine, couple weeks ago about this idea we had and she's like that sounds so interesting i love podcasts she's like what's it called and i told her and i said it'll be on spotify by the first of the year so i'm hoping that people will take something away from this and get a little bit of sense of you know um what we want to do and hopefully our next episodes will be more interesting than this one but you know um we'll actually have topics and whatnot but i don't know yeah this episode is definitely just going to sort of be an introduction and an exploration of like who we are and how we got here and why we feel like this is important. And how to teach dad how to use the software. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you know, you have picked it up very fast. I'm actually impressed. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has gotten a lot easier over the years. It's pretty much just download <laughs> this software. You're just going to click this button. I know. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no more defragging the computer and shit like that. <laughs> you know, I feel like late 90s, early 2000s, you who was like all over like whatever that 
website was where you downloaded all of your illegal music. What was it called? Oh, Napster. Napster. (laughs) Oh, God. Napster. I was on there the last day it was legal. It was so amazing. It was like, that's the only reason we got high speed in the first place was because I could download all this music and stuff for yeah. free. I feel like that version of you would be really disappointed if if he knew, like, the way that you treat technology. Exactly. In the you are correct. You know? <laughs> oh. like, oh, but we were in it. We were so on top of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you fell so far behind. Um, I don't know. There was this thing called a child and a house and another house and like, you know, and there was work and all that other stuff. So. I, I remember uh, when we moved the computer into the, the playroom, you know, where I had like my couch and TV and stuff. Yeah. And I would get on there and I would play like my my little computer games that I had. And you would be like, what you doing? And I would be like, well, I'm doing this, 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 and this. And you were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh good job, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> you keep doing that. I called them the cat game because on the cover, it was like those jump stars. Yeah, yeah, games. yeah. I remember that. The cat game. Yeah. The cat game. It was. It only had like a. It was like a bunch of animals. Yeah. It was just that there was a cat on the cover right. of the game, yeah. and I still remember the days of the week song that it taught you. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely like. I think that uh, another benefit is that uh, you. The only games that I was ever allowed to play were strictly educational. <laughs> and I remember the first ever like game website that I ever discovered uh, was Casey and Trip showed me this website called funbrain.com. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, sick, new games that I can play that aren't just like school, except <laughs> it was all educational <laughs> games. <laughs> it was all just like multiplication uh... tables. And I was like, guys, what? Come on, we need we need to bring some fun into this house. Nice. Uh, That's all right. I turned out okay. I almost didn't graduate because I was failing trigonometry, but like I don't even remember anything about <laughs> trigonometry. So it just shows you how important that is for my everyday life. Right. Well, I do get props for one thing. Knowing in 1998 that one day you were going to need computer skills. So I went out and bought like a thousand dollar, like l- like big, like little tiny heavy fucking like monitor thing. It was like fifteen inches. Was it black and white? I don't even know if it was color. I don't know, but it was it, just like it had it had color. It, it had was color. Really, really low res. Yeah, it had color. And we had dial up and shit, you know. But I did, I did get you onto the, your first computer, so. That thing was running Windows 98 until 2010. I know. Oh, it wouldn't even download emails anymore. You know, it's like. No, it didn't do anything by the time you were done with it. Yeah, I got my first laptop in 13 and I couldn't believe what it would do because on my old computer, I couldn't even hardly get emails. It was just like. And I'm sure that laptop was not a thousand dollars. No, 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 no. I'm actually on my second laptop now. (laughs) The computer I'm recording on right now is a Predator gaming laptop that Brandon bought. It is really nice, and uh, it does everything that we need it to. Brandon does a lot of, like, 3D modeling, a lot of the stuff for his for school. Um, and it was $1,200. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Is, 
it is so much nicer than the computer that you paid a thousand dollars for in 1990 well it had a printer with it too so you gotta figure okay you know okay but oh my god our printer has been turning on in the middle of the night what for no reason like it just turns on i don't know why (laughs) do you remember the (laughs) side note (laughs) do you remember the ice maker we had on on lynette with with like every once in a while the ice would just fall out of that thing like in the middle of the night like come on on, there'll be ice all over the kitchen and shit it was so bad. It would just randomly, you would hear it going off. I remember because I would, when I was a teenager and I would stay up like all night and I would be sitting in the playroom just like doing whatever, which I, yeah, we called it the playroom until I was 19 years old <laughs> because, because that's what it was my whole life, except it was just a room with a couch and a TV and like all of my shit everywhere. Right. And I would just be sitting in there and I would just hear, I would be scared out of my mind because I would just hear the, just like dispensing ice onto the floor in the kitchen. If that doesn't illustrate, (laughs) that's just another little tidbit from our working class background. (laughs) Yeah. Shitty ice maker. Yeah. That you occasionally would have to take a hairdryer to, to unfreeze it from itself. Because the the water line would freeze all over the ice machine. Yeah. Yeah, I kept it going. I kept it going. Come on. (laughs) It was... No, it's good. It's good. You know, it's just like how the battery in my car is held in place with bungee cords. You just do what you have to do to make things work. Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) So, next thing on my list. Okay, when I was in high school, I had to take a debate class. Okay, now... I think that most politicians that are in office today never had to take a debate class because they do not know how to debate. Oh, yeah. Your thoughts on that? (laughs) I So personally, I've seen a lot of people over the past few years turn up on the the floor of Congress who are very calm and composed and always have a point to offer in counter- to whatever is being argued on the floor. And it's always really comical to me to watch the older members of Congress who are like, they're talking back to me? (laughs) Excuse me? Because they don't have the same calm composure in order to come back at whoever they're talking to. I know. I feel like a, a lot of people who have been in politics for just way too long because people just keep voting for them for some reason. <clears throat> Mitch McConnell. <laughs> um, they, they just kind of start yelling, you know? Like, they just... They, they, they don't have a real... They don't have any real, like, basis for what they're saying. So they just kind of say, no, 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 you're wrong. Except that's not a debate. That's just, that's just being rude. (laughs) Like, you can't just say, no, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You have to listen and you have to be able to come back with your own points. Correct. You know, and it's just, that's the thing that really bugs me more than anything is that there's no discourse and there's no respect and there's no chivalry you know and there's no willingness to actually like you know be a part of this system you know everyone wants Mm -hmm. to just take all the laws look at them and skew them to their point of view and just say fuck everybody else because now it's just like turned into this circus where it's like 
I don't care if you said we shouldn't drown puppies. I'm going to disagree with you because you're a Democrat or you're, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, exactly. you know, it's like, what do you have against, you know, why do you want to drown puppies? <laughs> well, it's your bill, so I'm not going to vote for it. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, <laughs> no, come on, you know? But that that and people will boil down a bill to like the most basic form of it yes, and like refuse yes. to actually acknowledge yes. what the bill is actually about. Correct. Such as and this is the best example that I have, the late term abortion bill yes. that was passed last year in New York. Yeah. And pro-lifers are very against it and all they can hear is oh now you can get an abortion up until 40 weeks when in reality the bill is about protecting the lives of women who otherwise could die during childbirth if they were forced to carry these children to term because by the time you hit 34 35 weeks that's when you can really um examine the the fetus for serious neurological issues or those that's when a lot of really serious issues with like the placenta and all that stuff can really start to crop up so it's this is a case of medical need it's not a case of women who have reached 36 weeks of pregnancy and are just like you know what no i'm not feeling it anymore right that's not how it is. But people boil it down to, oh, you're just going to get to 40 weeks of pregnancy and decide that you don't want it anymore? That's fucked up. You're a murderer. Except, <laughs> as, as we know, that's not really the case. And I feel like that's how people treat a lot of issues, when in reality, there is no single issue that is completely black and white everything is complicated and everything comes with a million layers on top of and underneath it that you need to examine before you can have an informed opinion correct you know i just read something the other day that said that there was a record uh one of these states is actually there they had a um, frozen embryo that produced a live birth and i correct me if i'm wrong but i swear it said it was like 27 years old or something like that this embryo was and stuff like that you know yeah now is that a person <laughs> you know what i mean it's technically yeah. a fertilized egg correct it's an <laughs> yeah. embryo but it's been frozen for 27 years and now you got a baby but what hap- what if something happens to that frozen embryo you know what i mean is that a baby <laughs> and i'm not arguing abortion you know, but I'm saying there's got to be a limit, you know, life happens at the moment of conception, you know, except you can't freeze a baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> I saw this guy talking uh, the other day and he was like, yeah, so uh, me and uh, my two siblings, we were all in vitro fertilized uh, because their parents struggled to actually have them like naturally. Uh, but his two older siblings were twins and they were all three of them were their eggs were fertilized at exactly the same time. It's just that the mom had the twins first and then they froze him. Oh, no. For four years. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, so I like to tell when people ask me how old I am, I like to say that I'm 26. But if you're Catholic, I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. I- the point is, everything is multifaceted. You can't boil anything down to one little issue no. and say that it's simple. No, exactly. You know? 
You know? And that's something that we've talked about a lot over the past year because people like to dig themselves into holes yes. or they'll dig their heels in on one single issue because they refuse to budge, mm-hmm. you know, such as the the fetus is a live baby argument. Okay, if the fetus is a live baby, why were pregnant women not given a $500 bonus on their stimulus check? Correct. <laughs> obviously you're trying to draw a line here but you're not being consistent with the line that you're drawing so i think what we're going to try to do is pick apart these lines and see whether or not you can even draw one or if maybe you need to gerrymander your line a little bit to cover <laughs> different cases that you disagree with or or agree with <laughs> correct you know and it's just that's with me i mean i think this this whole idea of this behind this podcast is that um, another name we could have used probably was it's complicated. You know, I remember about four years ago, I was on this job and this young guy, he was, you know what I'm talking about? The guy who goes to the gym and stuff, you know, and all he gets yeah. his news <laughs> off of like Instagram or Facebook or whatever and stuff like that. And he's like yelling or something about like, you know, this is after Trump got elected. He was yelling something about something. And I was like, he asked me a question and I was like, Dylan, I said, it's complicated, you know? And that's that's the only answer I could give him. I said, look, I said, this is a very complicated things that people are doing here, okay? I can't do it, you know? I mean, yeah. literally, I could not do it. Everyone's like, well, if I was president, yeah, you'd fuck it all up worse than anybody because it, it's complicated, you know? And yeah. there's a lot of things in life that are a lot more complicated than people make them out to be. Because everyone wants to boil something down into a meme or, you know, a news bite or like a tweet or whatever, you know, and it's not, you know, and that's what people don't want to hear because they don't want to put the time in to. So basically, Sarah and I are going to be doing the hard work for you and you can just hear all, you know, the <laughs> stuff right here at Zoomer to Boomer podcast. And don't forget, we accept donations, like including <laughs> beer and wine would be appreciated. <laughs> Yes, we are going to take all of those issues and all of those moments throughout history that you think are so simple, and we are going to pick them apart and illustrate the reasons why they are not simple, but then we're going to try to simplify them again so that you understand understand them on a base level that is better than just a headline. Because people, there's this really bad issue that we have nowadays with headline culture, where people read a headline and they immediately share whatever they've just read because they think that it proves their point. When a lot of the time, you know, someone will share a head like a headline with me when I'm like arguing a point, and so I go in and I read it, and I'm like, actually, this disproves what you're saying, <laughs> and it proves that I'm right. So you clearly didn't read it. It's just like it's just like a few years ago, Kanye West was. Con- I'm sorry, I'm gonna talk about Kanye West for a second. But he was quoted as saying that he wanted to abolish the 13th Amendment. And now the headline just reads, "Abolish the thir- Kanye West says to abolish the 13th Amendment. Now, I'm sure you are aware, but I'll tell anybody who isn't. The 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution is the one that uh, abolishes slavery. Um, but the problem with the 13th Amendment is that it abolishes slavery except for in the case of prison labor. So at the end of the Civil War, we you know, ratified the 13th Amendment and then 
uh, that was the beginning of the prison industrial complex, which I think any enlightened person knows is really fucked up. And there's a lot that's wrong with it because of this part of the 13th Amendment. But all anybody can see is that Kanye West is saying that he wants to abolish the 13th Amendment. And people are like, do you understand how wrong that is? But what he was saying was that he wanted to revise the prison industrial complex, which is true. Like, it needs to be revised. So the moral of the story is you can't just read the headline and assume that you know exactly what's in the article. Correct. But this is a little, little tiny side note here before I go on to my next point. Not my next yeah. point, but I want to go on to what you're talking about. Um, what I hate is when you're like looking at the news and you read a headline. You're like, oh, I want to read about this. And basically the whole story is the headline. Yeah, that is also awful. It's like... I hate it. <laughs> you know, man arrested for driving his car into a convenience store. So you you look into it and it's like, oh, man arrested for driving his car into a convenience... I'm like, why did you... You know, it's it's, a, it's supposed to be a story, right? You know? See, that's a new story that could just be a tweet. You don't need to have a whole news article. Exactly. Uh, slightly related. I hate it when I get, I see a news article that looks really fascinating and it just happens to be from something that is paywalled. Like, I don't know the New York times. And so I click on it and then I go to the website and I'm three sentences in and it's like, Hey, do you want to subscribe for a dollar a month? (laughs) I know. I can't stand that. It's like, if you want to read the rest of this article, you have to subscribe here. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, no, no, I'm sorry. You know, this was on a free news thing, you know, not, you know. No, I'll just wait until someone pirates it and posts the PDF <laughs> in the comments. Exactly. <laughs> but what we, uh, you were saying before is like completely true, like from what Kanye said. And I, trust me, I'm not a Kanye West fan. Um, but um, I think that there's a lot of things. And I think we had this discussion last night about how... Um, uh, some things are worded very poorly, you know, yes, and I think they are. I think that there needs to be some more understanding of things. Nice. Chug it. <laughs> yeah. I finished my drink in case anyone <laughs> was confused. But uh, I, I keep forgetting that they can't see us. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think there's some things that are very poorly worded, you know, like the inheritance tax is actually called like they want to say it's the death tax, which is not, you know, and, yeah. and then the, the, the current one would be um, like defund the police, which is actually a really good idea if you dig into it. But it's worded like horribly because people are like, they want to take money away from the police. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, no, we are going to give other people like let other people do jobs that the police don't want to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, like social work and mental health help. Correct. You know, in situations where maybe a police officer isn't the best person to be called to defuse any kind of um, violent or otherwise dangerous situation, such as situations involving people who have like mental disorders, wherein you might want a, like a social worker or a psychiatrist on scene to be able to help them and help them work through whatever is going on to de-escalate. If you call a police officer, there is a good 
chance that it could get violent because a police officer is not trained in how to handle those kinds of situations. Correct. So if we reallocate, we should call it reallocation. If we reallocate money from the police department into these other programs, it'll help these situations be more effectively de-escalated. It's and it's not just that specifically, but we're talking about reallocating some money to go to underserved schools so that people don't come out of high school immediately needing to turn to crime because they have no other options. It's a great idea. It's just the way that it's worded makes people think that what they're saying is that there's not going to be any police officers anymore. Right, exactly, you know. And um um, I think I shared this with you before, or, or you'll remember it, but um, there was a situation five years ago where I basically had to talk somebody off a cliff from um, committing suicide. You know, at least this person was talking about it. And um, mm-hmm. the um, when we finally got a hold of somebody who showed up with two sheriff's deputies, they were very nice and they were very understanding and they were very thoughtful, but they're cops. You know, they're not yeah. social workers. They're not met, trained social workers. They're not whatever, you know. I'm, I'm sure that police officers should have been there. But, you know, that was it yeah. basically, you know. And then they had to take this person basically to hospital slash whatever incarceration for, mm-hmm. you know, whatever and stuff like that. And cops don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. that's not their training. That's not what they're trained to do. You know, that's what defund the police means. And it, But it sounds horrible when you say defund the police. And that's what everyone wants to, you know. And here's another thing that bugs me, okay? Why can't you fly the flag in front of your house and still believe in a free democracy? You know what I'm saying? It's like everyone's like, Oh, the flag means you're a flag waving Republican and shit like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's it's just because of those flag waving Republicans giving it a bad name. It's like it, th- that's the whole issue with patriotism in this country right now is that people can't even love the United States right. without it having a bad connotation. Right. Because Trump's entire ideation has always been America first, except it's always just kind of been. Donald first <laughs> and everybody else can go fuck themselves. So the these people who like drive around, it's the people who drive around with the Confederate flag in the back window of their beat up F-150 that the tailgate was ripped off six years ago. <laughs> and they have the flags just waving in the wind. One side's an American flag. One side is a thin blue line flag. Yeah. And... Those are the kind of people who have made it so that the rest of us are like, I think I'm just going to roll up my flag and put it in storage for the winter. (laughs) Here's another another thing that really burns my ass is that people appropriate things. And I can't stand when people appropriate other things like Black Lives Matter. So then everyone else comes out and goes like, all lives matter. (laughs) Police lives matter and everything like that. I'm like, which is. They're both true statements, but the thing is, it's like you can't appropriate somebody else's, you know, like (laughs) slogan and you can't appropriate the American flag. It's the American fucking flag. You can't like (laughs) bastardize the American flag. You know, Yeah. I agree with you. You can support the police, but not support, you know, police violence or like abuse. I shouldn't say violence because it's a violent job, but um, abuse. You know? Yeah. 
And it's that's the thing is when people started saying blue lives matter, my first thing my first thought was like the whole point of Black Lives Matter is to illustrate the fact that black people are being targeted for something that they cannot control, which is the fact that they, that are, they black. are black. Correct. <laughs> And so then people come out and they're like, well, blue lives matter. You chose to be a cop. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Like, you weren't born a cop. Like, right. <laughs> so, like, the, it's like, no, and nobody ever said during Black Lives Matter when they were, you know, starting their protests, which were, you know, very necessary and, right. you know, we agree with. Um, nobody was like, also murder all police officers exactly <laughs> and i'm sure some people were saying that but obviously the <laughs> if if a normal person was saying that they didn't mean it it was probably a joke <laughs> but <laughs> kind of like sarah's else... joke just right now you know so don't yeah. take that out of context and put that on facebook yeah. okay please don't clip me saying murder all <laughs> police officers <laughs> This is going sideways in a hurry. <laughs> when people started saying Black Lives Matter, which, you know, we can trace back to the Ferguson protests years ago, which is so sad that we've like still come this far and this issue is still going on and is not being addressed. But when people started saying that, they weren't saying Black Lives Matter and fuck everybody else. They were saying that, like, you need to be paying attention to the hardships that are facing black people in this country and we need to find solutions so that this level of inequality is not so insane you don't need to appropriate their phrase all right let them have it and acknowledge that it's true and just move on <laughs> correct you know and that's a, the same thing with the the thin blue line the flag you know what i'm saying it's it's like you can't bastardize that shit you know what i'm saying because it's the flag and you know me, I mean, exactly. I mean, we had a flag flying in our front yard the day 9-11 happened up until like God knows when, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, being around me all that time, who loves the flag more than I do? No, nobody. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I love the, I love yeah. this country, you know? But I mean, you can't, you, you can't say like, if you don't agree with everything that happens in this country, then you should fucking leave. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not the point of this country. This country was founded on the fact that we can all change. You know? That despite our differences, we can all compromise and work together. Correct. You know? It was... It, the, this country was founded, and people often forget that the 13 colonies were not just... It wasn't just like 13 states, okay? It wasn't just like Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania... Ohio wasn't a state yet, but that's beside the point. Uh, but it, it wasn't just like all Ohio was ratified as a state in 1803. Anyway, um, so it's not like all these states were all the same and they all came together and were just like, let's just be a country. It was a big decision because the 13 colonies all represented 13 very different cultures from all around the world. You know, I mean, the different colonies had people from from france and and holland and the uk and ireland and not really ireland they were 
deeply oppressed um, <laughs> Germany and Italy and and they were all from all these different parts of the world but they all acknowledged that like we are all together and we are all currently uh, paying taxes to the British and so why don't we decide to be our own country and work together and make compromises and do this stuff together it doesn't need to be us all fighting each other all the time and that's when the homogeny really began, when people started integrating the cultures all together. And what we have now is the American fruit salad, as I like to call it, rather than a melting pot. Um, and so to say, whenever someone says, like, if you don't like what's happening here, you can get out. First of all, no, I can't. The pandemic has made it so I cannot travel outside <laughs> of the United States um to pretty much anywhere right now um so also i'm poor so there's that <laughs> um but second of all that's not like it's just like saying like if you don't like what your child is doing maybe you should just abandon them by the side of the road that's not how you treat something that you care about you actively try to make a change so that they your child accomplishes something better or becomes better or so that your country becomes better so that you don't have to have these same issues cropping up over and over and over again. Correct. You know, and it's just, it just, I don't know. I think hopefully people can listen to our podcast and I, I'm not hopeful it'll change any minds, you know, but um, I was reading this, um, what was I reading the other day? Comic strip or something like that. And it said, uh, yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, I uh, actually changed their opinion on something or something like I I laid out yeah. facts and, and reason and stuff like that. And they changed their mind. And the other guy was like, that's not possible. And he's like, I know I'm scared. And he goes, maybe it was a trap. And he's like, I didn't sleep all night. <laughs> I know exactly what you were talking about. It was the Dilbert. Strip yes, it was. For 21st. Yes. Uh, in which uh, Dilbert says, yesterday someone disagreed with me and I changed his mind using data and reason. Yeah. And his coworker says, that isn't possible. So Dilbert replies, I didn't think so either, but it happened. <laughs> his coworker says, smells like a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and Dilbert replies, I couldn't sleep all night. <laughs> Now, I think what might help us in that area is that I think both of us are products of the fact that your mind can change. You can come around on issues that you thought you understood before, but find that with new data and with new reasoning, your mind can be changed. And changing your mind on something, no matter how long you believed in that thing, does not make you weak. It is not a bad thing. There is this uh, very long-standing logical fallacy called the sunk cost fallacy in which people believe that I put so much time and effort into this thing that I can't just give up on it. It's why marriages used to last. <laughs> Stop laughing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's why marriages used to last like so long when both people were super unhappy it's because they were like yeah but we've been married for like 20 years and it's like who cares <laughs> who cares right you can you can be happy outside of that marriage so just get a divorce <laughs> and i do think that a lot of people they're afraid of being they're afraid of looking stupid they're afraid of having um 
they're afraid of being embarrassed, you know, of like when I, I've seen so many people like uh, who have admitted to no longer supporting Trump. And they're like, I was just so afraid of admitting that I was wrong all that time because I was so hardcore in his camp. And it's like, you know who I respect more than anyone else when it comes to this election That cycle? person. That person. Yes. That person who said, I realized he was wrong. And I, so I changed my mind. And Granted, I, that's actually wrong. The people I respect more than anyone else are the people um, who never voted for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, but I do have an incredible amount of respect for people who are able to take a moment and say, actually, I was wrong. And so I need to work to change this bad thing that I did and fix it. And Oh, I've been wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I mean, you know, I tell people all the time at work, I said, when you fuck up, own it and fix it. You know what I'm saying? That's all you got to do, you know? And um, just for the record, I am not a lot more conservative than Sarah, but I am more conservative than Sarah. I am not stupid, (laughs) but I am more conservative than Sarah. Okay? I put my... You're also 57 years old, so I mean... Okay. I think that's where it comes from. Well, okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm more conservative than you, but I'm not super conservative. I'm like basically Rick, right in the middle of the scale, which is the most boring person and the most forgotten person in America. Because if you're not a progressive and you're not a like a right winger, like a far right winger, you know, you just don't matter in this guy. It seems like anymore. But it used to be we had like people in the middle, you know, and I don't know what happened to us, but. You know, apparently, like, reality TV or something just, like, just made all that thing go away. But I don't know. I'll never forget when Tom Hanks, during the 2016 election, came out and was like, hey, um, if you care, I'm not voting for Trump. And everybody was like, you're like a te- like, you're an actor. You're on, you're in <laughs> movies. You shouldn't be talking about politics. And it's like, Donald Trump is a real. I trust the man who made Castaway, Forrest Gump, and Saving Private Ryan so much more than I trust the man who is only known for firing people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Saving Private Ryan has one of my favorite movie quotes ever made. Let's hear it. And it's, and it's just earn it. It's just, just two, two words. Earn it. Yeah. Earn it. What about Castaway? So <laughs> well said. It's <laughs> my favorite line from Castaway supposed to be him <clears throat> screaming at a volleyball. No. <laughs> uh, what else? Forrest Grump. Forrest Grump? Forrest Gump. Uh, I don't know. Probably uh, Jen A. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) Lieutenant Dan. I saw, I'll have to send it to you later. I saw a really amazing clip from uh, the making of Forrest Gump the other day. Really? And uh, yeah, it was about the visual effects uh, surrounding Lieutenant Dan and his lack of legs. It was really cool. Nice. I'll have to send it to you. Anyway. Yeah. So the point is. (laughs) Yeah, the point is. That could have been another uh, name for our podcast. The point is. Okay. So the last thing on my list, my little list I made up was, um, apparently I've been all the, doing all the work on this thing. All she, she knows all the technical stuff, but cause I've been making the <laughs> list and stuff, but, and 
you're going to hear more than one reference to this. We might even have a whole episode about it. We both fucking love the Beatles because the Beatles are the best fucking <laughs> rock band that ever fucking, like, were born onto the planet Earth, you know? And anybody who disagrees can just turn us off right now because I don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say that because then Brandon will have to turn it off and then no! edit it. <laughs> No, okay, Brandon loves the Beatles. He just doesn't like John Lennon's voice. What? John Lennon is a <laughs> genius. Oh, my God. I'll never forget when he was murdered. I, I, oh, my God. It's like, it was yesterday. We'll definitely do an episode on the Beatles and John Lennon because um, the, uh, the Catcher in the Rye is uh, one of the deadliest books ever written somehow. <laughs> I remember reading it in high school, and I was like, how did this make someone want to murder John Lennon? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, so this punk is really annoying, but, like, what did you have against the strawberry fields? I'm not making the connection. <laughs> I, I know. Understand. And it's just like, you know, I, I just don't get it. It's just, ah. Things you're going to hear us reference a lot. Um, The Beatles um movies Mo- like movies in general but i'm gonna say mostly die hard and jurassic park <laughs> um <laughs> uh i don't know any jfk is gonna come up a lot even when we're not specifically talking about jfk 9-11 will also come up a lot even yes. when we're not talking about yes. 9-11 jfk the assassination of jfk and uh September 11th, two of the most historically potent moments in American history. Correct. And we we happen to both be deeply obsessed with both of them. Yeah. So. Did you get that? Uh, did you get that picture of those stamps I got? Yeah, those are really cool. I need, need to get a frame yeah. for them. I think it's like a nine by six or something like that. But yeah, you're gonna frame your stamps rather than putting them on envelopes. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Gonna use those for like regular stamps, but so I got I got a great idea how we're gonna end every show. Okay, how are we gonna end every show? We'll we'll figure this out live on the podcast. Okay, I'm gonna say Sarah, give us a kiss, <laughs> and you're gonna say, what am I gonna say? Am I just gonna say you don't remember this? No, I don't. I, I was just I was just telling somebody you. the other day about this from Jaws. I remember, remember the sheriff sitting there at the table in Jaws and his little boy sitting there and he says, give us a kiss. And the little boy says, why? And he says, because I need it. And you, we used to do that I all do, the time. I do remember that. Oh, my God. sit out in the garage just getting bitten by mosquitoes. Yeah, and I would say, Sarah, give us a kiss. And you'd be like, why? Why? And I'd be like, because I need it. All right. Okay. I just remembered that I need to, like, do social media stuff for this show or no one is ever going to see that it exists. Right. Well, send me the link for that. I'll put it on mine too. You know? Okay, I will. I mean, I'll promote I it. Sure. I'm at, hell, I've already been talking to people about it, like all over the place. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm out there hitting the pavement. I'm not just clicking on my computer and my phone. Damn it. I'm hit, I'm doing the, the, the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dad. I didn't, didn't Get off my lawn. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, you're also going to hear him be a little crotchety. Yes, I <laughs> but I, I completely admit that I am that guy. 
I completely admit that I've kind of devolved a little bit into the get off my lawn guy, but I'm also smart enough to realize that I have. So there you go. Here's another movie reference. You have simply become Clint Eastwood from Grand Torino. I have. I have. Just squinting angrily at the boys (laughs) skateboarding down the sidewalk. Yes. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) Oh. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at some point when I decide to make a Twitter. I'll probably make a little recording and patch it onto the end of this with what the actual Twitter account winds up being. Okay. Um, and then I'm on Facebook at Michael Schroeder. So <laughs> just, you know, I, I know it's an old person thing. Shut up, Sarah. Anyway. <laughs> it's okay. But, uh, I'm also on Facebook, but I very rarely use it. So don't try to contact me. <laughs> So we're we're just like basically like listener sluts. So whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. If you want us to like mention somebody, like a, give somebody a happy birthday or something to get a listener, that's <laughs> fine, you know, or do whatever, you know. So anyway, all right, Sarah, all right. give us a kiss. Why? Because I need it. <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs>